the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Sean Azaro, and you are listening to Reaching for Real Life. Reaching for real life with Pastor Sean Azaro, Baron Wiley here. God, it feels so good outside, Pastor Sean. I always mm. like to just check in with you. Doing mm. okay, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. Are you, you kidding? You, I live in Texas, and I'm not sweating. I mean, a, it's warm outside, but I, I yeah, I have a long sleeve. sleeves sleeve. are yes. rolled up a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I, this is a symbolic move for me. This is an important time. It still gets hot in the afternoon. We understand that. But, man, it's so cool in the morning. It's nice. And you're wearing the polo there, too. You've been known to wear polo your whole life. Uh, for I some play polo. Yes. I wear polo. <laughs> <laughs> That's the policy, huh? That's the policy. <laughs> oh, man. Right now, some young person going, what the heck? Polo? Oh, my granddad wears that. Yeah. No, no, no. For, yeah, I just can't see Sean Azara without a little polo something. Well, you know. You know. Yeah. Playing polo. Uh, Pastor Sean, we missed you last week here. I was sitting here waiting for you. <laughs> and then you went, oh, wait a minute. Oh, bear- hey, man. Were- Sorry. <laughs> we had the pastor's retreat, a little staff retreat. We did. We had a, a staff retreat, took the whole staff up to Mo Ranch. It was great. Had a really good time. Awesome. Well, we want to talk about that on the podcast today because I knew you had an encouraging word for them that translates to us. But before we get there, mm. October's Clergy Appreciation Month. I think you're in the, you have your clergy I, I- card, yes? <laughs> I do. I'm a licensed, ordained (laughs) clergy. Yeah, our congregation did a nice little video, just kind of a fun, humorous video, highlighting all the pastors and just reminding everybody, hey, October's Pastor Appreciation Month, which is a kind of church church hallmark hallmark holiday, right? Right. It's a thing. And so, no, they're very gracious and just, you know, told everybody to love on us. And, you know, we feel very much loved and appreciated. So, yes, we are aware it's Pastor Appreciation Month. All right. So give me some advice. If I wanted to love on you, how would I take care of my pastor? Cash. Cash is nice. <laughs> you know. Did you get a Chick-fil-A card or two there on Sunday? <laughs> uh, I hate to tell you. Yeah. Uh, I have not gotten any Chick-fil-A cards. I've got multiple cigars. Well. <laughs> River, River City you, folks are really neat. <laughs> you, you didn't hate to tell me that. That was very subtle. <laughs> so, so, and they're all fine cigars. Yes, they are. <laughs> you know, look, I went to the gas station. And no, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> nice. It was so, a wooden box, maybe. No, you know, uh, okay. How to appreciate a pastor. A, a, a nice note. Let them know how all much right. you appreciate him. Uh, something thoughtful. You know, I love Good and Plenty. My assistant, Christy, bought a little, you know, just a thing of Good and Plenty because she knows I just love them. It's yeah. a licorice candy, right? If you don't know what Good and Plenty is, yeah. and you know, I think I think those just something thoughtful, something that says, "Hey, we appreciate you." Yeah. You know, I I think what matters most to a pastor is to know we're making a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, because you work hard, you do a lot of stuff. Some stuff people see sermons, public things, and there's a lot of other things people don't see. Yeah, and it's just neat when people come along and say, "Hey, I see what you're doing, and I appreciate you." And and sometimes some of the most meaningful things are when someone says, "You know." I'm following Jesus differently today because 
something yes. God did or said through you. I'm, I, you know, I saw the Lord in this. That's a wonderful thing yeah. for a pastor to hear because it's why we do what we do, right? What gets publicized, I mentioned this in the congregation about news. Bad news is what gets publicized, right? right. So the only thing you're going to see on the news is pastors who either screw up or are you know, kind of fleecing the sheep and super rich flying around the country in private jets and own 20 country club homes. That's not like most pastors. No. Most pastors are just quietly serving a congregation. Mm-hmm. They don't. They could make more money somewhere else. You know, they typically are good communicators, good people persons, and those kind of people can actually make a good living all kinds of places throughout the world. Well, so so pastors, I, I they they get into it because they love Jesus mm-hmm. and they love people. If you can let them know how their ministry to you made a difference and how it's helped you love and follow Jesus. That's huge. And, and a gift is something just thoughtful, something that, you know, you, you listen to him preach every weekend, right? You, yeah. you know, you know something about him. Yeah. So if you think about it in some just little gesture that says, Hey, I see you. It's all, it's really appreciated. And we're very grateful. And a nice little handshake with maybe something inside. <laughs> and and Barron's doing the cup. The, <laughs> exactly. The, the, the kind of what he does with the maitre d'. With the maitre d' when he goes into the restaurant, he hands him like a dollar bill. Hey, he works on the usher at the church, too. I get up close, you know? <laughs> right this way, please. I'll bet you do. I'll bet you. I, I hope you give him some money to sit on the spot. front. I can't pay people to sit on the front. But I hope you're paying to get up there. I do. It's worth it. Every penny. Uh, Sean, again, I said you got so much going on. And there's a lot going on here at the amphitheaters. We're recording this uh, great podcast called Reaching for Real Life here. I know Cody Johnson looking, oh. looking really big. Oh my gosh. This is gonna be this is gonna be great. It's uh, <laughs> uh this yeah. could be I mean our biggest event that Ever. we've hosted here has been Franklin Graham. And they had eleven thousand people. But that wasn't a ticketed thing. That was no. that was something that Franklin and his organization did. Ticketed event, this is gonna be the biggest and this was looking like it could be eleven thousand. Um, and then, and the, then I saw a buddy Balloon walk on the, on the horizon, yes, too. Yes, that's an event that we've been a sponsor of through the Down Syndrome Association. We've mm-hmm. been a sponsor of for years, and uh, we just love that event. Uh, it's a great event. It's a fundraiser for the Down Syndrome Association. and It's so cool because every one of these kids and these uh, folks who have Down Syndrome, they have teams of friends and family and people, some of them big teams, and yeah. they raise money for the association. And then they all just do this walk, and it's a, a route that will be on our property. It's great. Sean, I'm worried about you, and I've said this to you before. I always have to ask you, are you getting your day of rest? Are you taking that time off to just shut down? And, then, and even going to Chicago, what kind of wears you out? Baron, this is, that's just for sermons. I'm not really doing that. Come on, Baron. Come on, <laughs> come on. I mean, well, you know, we preach that yeah, stuff. But come on. Uh, no, very seriously, uh, I am, uh, I'm very serious about that. Yeah? Yeah. That, that's a big deal. In fact, that was the whole theme of our staff retreat. The whole the whole thing that we were doing uh, was about rest mm-hmm. because one of the things that, you know I was talking about pastors how they come in with a good heart and you know they're they love Jesus so they they're all in it they don't they don't expect just to be punching a the clock they don't expect forty hour work weeks they expect yeah. more and then people needs especially in a growing congregation they, they don't ever end they're not they're not nicely scheduled eight to five Monday through Friday right. uh, so it really can become an all consuming thing and then add to the fact that we are people and we sometimes have needs to meet as far as like I want to be wanted I want to be needed I want to be thought well of and so if you're a people pleaser in this type of ministry um, it can kill you yeah so that's something that from the very earliest days of our ministry uh, Lori and I were um, were just committed because we we knew pastors families who were destroyed we knew pastors' mm. kids who wanted nothing to do with the church because mom and dad were always at the church. They, their parents were non-entity in their, their school lives and in their personal lives. And so 
they didn't want anything to do with the church. The church took mom and dad from me. Or the church hurt mom and dad, and mom and dad are bruised and beaten, and so our family life was depressing because of the church. And so there's all these kids who just said, I want no part of it. You know, the whole PK thing, right? right? Um, Well, we said no. Mm -hmm. So early on, we just said our Sabbaths, we're going to be serious about. You know, one of the things I tried to tell our team, and I tell them all the time, you know, God had this world going fine before you got here, (laughs) and after you're gone... He's, it's going to go on just fine. One day, I've, I'm the founding pastor of this church, right, Baron? Mm-hmm. One day, I'm going to have to step down or I'm going to be gone from this earth. And you know what? It's going to go on. Mm-hmm. So why not practice a little bit now? Exactly. <laughs> right? The, the, why not practice letting other leaders, other people minister and serve? Uh, I don't need to be the center of everything that's happening. And when you, the minute you make that decision, the minute you decide this, like, oh, this God's the one who keeps this thing going, not me. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have to kill myself. And, and trying to tell my team, again, these are great-hearted people who love their jobs. It's not like, oh, nobody's no taskmasters over them driving them. No, mm-hmm. they believe in the mission. They believe in the gospel. They b- love making disciples. And so they're doing it because it's a passion. But even in that, mm-hmm. the whole principle of the Sabbath is so critical. Because Sabbath is an opportunity every week to just stop and say, God, I remember it's not my work that makes this world go around. Mm. I, I work hard because I love you, Lord, and I serve you, and it's the right thing to do. I want to take care of my family. And this is whether you're a pastor, this is whether you're a business person, a contractor, banker, professional lawyer, whatever you do, just know Sabbath is a worship expression. That's why one of the Ten Commandments, mm. it's a worship expression that says, I recognize, God, that you're the one who gives me strength. You're the one who multiplies what I do. And so on this day of rest, I'm going to acknowledge it's not all about me. And that's really what Sabbath is about. It's like on this day, and when it comes to my work, I'm not going to move the ball downfield. I'm going to rest, spend time with family. I'm going to you know, relax with the family. Uh, we worship. We just enjoy Sabbath. Yeah. And so rest is a big deal. It's, and, and, you know, that's what we talked about at the retreat. It was a major theme. Uh, we got the staff away. Just say, how are you doing? I want to make sure you're doing well. I don't ever want to find out that you weren't doing well after the fact. Right. Right. I want to give you permission right now to talk to someone, to rest. And if you're not resting, and I see you not resting, yeah. which is, wait, how's that work? But you get in trouble with Sean. Well, I, I'm going to say, if I find out you're not taking your days off, or I find out, you know, wait a minute, your kid had that big deal at their school and you didn't go? Early on, I just, our kids' events, you know, parent-teacher conferences, bike rodeos, you know, school days and fairs, I was at them. It wasn't just Lori. It was, it was both of us. So did pastors get hurt because they go to their kids' events and they have to say no to their congregation? They don't show up for their Bible study or for their whatever? Can you come to my kid's birthday party too? Is there an art to learning how to say no? Yes. Yes. And quite frankly, early on, I probably wasn't that great at it. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I did it, yeah. but there were still things. My, my problem was I wasn't afraid to say no. I, I didn't take into consideration. Like if someone said, oh, a month from now, Will you do this? Will you speak at this? Or uh-huh. will you do this kind of thing? And I'd be like, sure, no problem. Because uh-huh. I didn't have anything on the calendar on that actual spot. But what I wasn't taking into consideration is all the things that are inevitably part of every week because you're a pastor. Right. And you're just, life's just busy. So I can probably do that, yeah. But I, I wasn't leaving any margin mm-hmm. because there are always other things that are there. So mm-hmm. that was one I had to learn. Yeah, no, I just need to leave some space. And by the way, I'll still stay plenty busy. Mm-hmm. I'll have plenty to do. Uh, but I, again, and the key is just you—you you know, multiply. 
I don't care if you're if you're in a small church, if you're listening to this, and maybe you're in a small church, you're a pastor, and you've got, you know, 50 people in the congregation. There's two or three other really good leaders in that mm. congregation, four or five maybe. Develop them. Yeah. Spend time with them. The first thing Jesus, Jesus didn't have any followers, and he went and picked disciples. Yeah. Right? Go do that in your congregation. Two or three leaders, raise them up, train them, let them lead, let the congregation know these people are leaders. And then when you can't be there and one of these people's there instead, they're not, they're not shocked. And it's like, oh, pastor didn't care. The church didn't care. No, there are these wonderful other pastoral leaders. It's very rare because at River City, we don't even set the expectation that I'm going to be at everybody's hospital bed or everybody, do everybody's wedding or anything like that. Mm. We, we, but we will have occasionally people, oh, you know, I want Pastor Sean's the one. You know, and if Pastor Sean didn't come by, then, then I'm hurt and and. I'll be like, wait a minute, did your community group leader came? Yeah. Oh, one of our associate pastor camps. So you had two, two different pastoral leaders come visit you, pray with you, and your group came and cared for you. And I'll get a little bit hard. I'll be like, do you realize how ungrateful that sounds? Mm. Okay. Yeah. We, we don't do it that way. Yeah. And of course, I'm going to go, I have people in my circle that I'm, I'm supporting pastorally, and I am going to be there at those kind of things for them. But it's just, it's literally saying, hey, it's not about one person. It's like, we have all these leaders, and we're and by the way, we're raising up others. Mm-hmm. So that's the secret to being able to grow. It's multiplication. All right, Pastor, I'm going to challenge you now there, too. I see you got your, your pad out. It's not on. You might know these verses by heart there. but bring All the- verses. <laughs> <laughs> all verses. Yes. <laughs> At your fingertips. Here they come. But back this up, Pastor Sean. Where does the Bible say... Uh, shut her down. Well, okay. Obviously, you know the Sabbath right. principles, right? And and that's that's a that's a timeless, you know, Ten Commandment. That's one of those ones that's actually etched in stone, and Good. it's it's one of the worship commandments, right? That's that's why it's so important. You know, the the first commandments are those ones about you know have no other gods before me, no idols. And the Sabbath day is among those. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain, and then remember the Sabbath. And keep it holy. The worship commandments. Mm-hmm. But there's an interesting verse in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4. Okay? Uh, listen to what this says because I, I want you to hear this. This is talking about the generation in the wilderness that Moses led out of Egypt. You remember? They were set free. They saw the plagues. They walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. Mm-hmm. All the things. They saw the miracles in the desert with Moses as, the, as their leader. Okay? So all that happened. Then you remember they get to the promised land. They choose spies, send them in, 12 spies. Ten of them say, oh, no way. It's too, too big. The people are too big. The cities are too big. Uh, we were like ants in our own eyes. Mm-hmm. And then two were men of faith, Joshua and Caleb. Mm-hmm. No. Yes, the people are big. Yes, the cities are big. But God is bigger. Mm-hmm. He will do this. We are supposed to do this. And remember the people listen to the negative report. And they didn't enter into the promised land. And that whole generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness. Right? The writer of Hebrews uses that picture and talks about that. He says, this is Hebrews 3, 7, and I'm going to read on through 4, 4, 1. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to test and and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and have not known my ways. And listen to this. And I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Mm. Now, that's interesting. What they were, the problem was they, would, they wouldn't enter the promised land. And what they were not allowed to do is enter the promised land, their home. But in Hebrews, he's saying, they shall not enter my rest. That's what the Holy Spirit is saying through the writer. And then he goes on, take care, this is verse 12, brothers, lest there be in any of you an 
evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we, for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So he's talking about faith. Mm-hmm. He's talking about belief. As it says, today if you hear his heart, do not, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And he says, makes it real clear, unless we're wondering who he's talking about. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And I want you to hear that, because we're going to see a whole lot of the reasons why we don't enter into rest is because of unbelief. Mm. And then chapter 4, verse 1 goes on and just says this, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, talking to us New Testament believers, while the promise still stands of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Mm. And what's so striking about that passage to me is how he's comparing the promised land, the place they were supposed to live, his promise for them, to his promise for rest for us. Rest isn't just a vacation. It's not just a break. Right. Rest is a place you live. It is the New Testament picture of the promised land, a promised land where, the, where, the, where, where you are in his care. We are walking in his life. So in other words, it, this is not like, okay, I'm working, but I'm not resting. And I'm resting, but I'm not working. Yes, I do believe in the Sabbath principle where we say, I'm taking off work. I'm not going to work this day. And I believe in shutting down at a decent hour so I can be with my family in the evenings, you know, so I can be a part of my kids' lives. I believe in that. But this is more. This is talking about a lifestyle of rest, mm. a place we're supposed to live, not just visit. And he makes clear the promise of entering his rest still stands for us. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, as I think about this, and I think about people I know, there's a whole lot of people I wouldn't say are living in a place of rest. You know, you, you ask someone how you're doing, right? So uh, controlled, how's it, how's controlled it going? Chaos. Yeah. Controlled chaos. Or chaos. how's it going, Bear? Oh, oh, good. Busy. Yeah, I'm so and, busy. And what's funny is they were sitting there sleeping on the couch, but now all of a sudden they're out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just busy. It's like, wait, you're, you're on the couch. Why are you out of breath? <laughs> because it's the way we say, oh, I'm so busy. And it's almost like it's a badge. Oh, yeah, I'm busier than you. Yeah. And it's like we think that this somehow our busyness is like some virtuous thing. Hmm. When what the word of God says, I know God wants to lead us to a land. And if we won't be unbelievers, there is a place of rest where we can live in yeah. and work from, minister from that place of rest. He points out that the hardness of rebellion is what kept God's people out, disobedience. I wonder how many times our rebellion are saying, no, no, God, it's about me, not you. No, no, God, I got to take care of number one. No, no, God, I got to get it done is the thing keeping us from living in his rest. Yeah, and that's just disobedience. And, and, of course, he talks about how the root problem is unbelief. He says it twice. They couldn't enter because of unbelief. He says, so, so he says, none of you want to be in that place, you know, and I want to suggest, if you're listening to this and maybe you struggle with, man, I, I have a hard time just shutting down. I have a hard time um, letting other people do things. I'm, I find myself always being the one who's out of breath and busy. Um, I just want to say, I, I think sometimes behind that is some unbelief. Hmm. And, and if, we, if we look at this, it's like, I don't believe God can or I don't believe he will take care of me. Wow. And, and there's a couple different manifestations of that. Think about this uh, unbelief, okay, that take, takes me out of a place of rest. I work too hard. In other words, I'm driven 
Because what that says is, okay, if I don't do this, um, I'm not okay. You know, um, you know, I, my, my drivenness can be from this, this idea of, okay, I got to earn it myself. I want people to notice this what place I'm doing. Will fall apart if this I place don't do this. Exactly. Some sort of inner need to be the person who holds everything together. Sometimes, I mean, and I recognize this in my own life, um, you know, um, growing up, um, my dad didn't really approve of my choice to go into ministry and of what I was looking at doing. And I, I just didn't feel his approval. And so uh, I'm an adult in ministry, and it was with the help of a Christian counselor who helped me see, you know, you've got this high-performance thing, and it's probably linked to trying to please a dad who you're not even really talking to much right now. And it's like I'd never made that connection. I knew I had issues with my dad. I also knew I was kind of a high performer, and I wanted to do well, and I, I would push. And making that connection and having God say, you know, I'm your father, and I love you just the way you are. And you don't need to perform to please me. Amen. And you know, for some of you maybe listen to that, that might be a word from the Lord for you right now. He loves you. He gave his life for you. He doesn't need you to perform to please him. He just wants to be with you. Amen. That's what the cross is about. That's what salvation, forgiveness is all about. I yeah. heard a teaching, uh, Pastor Sean, when you said he wants to be with you. I heard a teaching that the Ten Commandments were like wedding vows and that the Sabbath was kind of like, um, I, well, one, I promise to love you. I promise to give you my name, not use my name in, my name in vain. Uh, I will not murder you with my tongue. I will not lie to you. I will not, I will not look at my neighbor's wife, all those kind of things. But when it came to the Sabbath, this is our date night. This is our time for us to be together. I want to be with you. I think that's, a, a, I think that's an excellent point. Because we we got to remember we were created for a relationship. Mm-hmm. This was a quote actually I shared uh, this morning to a group. Uh, it's from Henry Nowen. <clears throat> it says, we must pray not first of all because it feels good or helps, but because God loves us and wants our attention. Mm. Isn't that interesting? I like that. And we talked about how we've turned prayer into a task. In Matthew 6, remember Jesus said, don't stand on street corners and play like hypocrites who want, pray like hypocrites who want to be seen, right? He says, rather go into your inner room and pray, your closet. We talk about the prayer closet. I've always thought about that. Okay, he's, he's sending me into the prayer closet. He's, he wants me to go in the room. He's not sending me. He's calling me. Mm, good. Isn't that di- different? He, he's yeah. not sending me there like, okay, you got to go get in prayer and do, do business and take care of your prayer. No, he's inviting me yeah. to that inner room where we just be together. That's really what I'm talking about here. This, this idea of I push and work too hard because I just don't believe that God will take care of me. I don't believe that he really approves of me and loves me, and I'm still trying to earn it, and I'm still trying to make it my own, you know? And so I don't rest. I'm, I'm driven. And if you're a workaholic and you know you're driven, it, I want to suggest that it's probably linked in some way to unbelief. What is it that, that God promises that you don't really believe and you think you have to make up for, you know? A uh, second uh, type of unbelief, or a second problem with unbelief that takes me from a place of rest is I worry more. Anxiety, how much of our unrest is just anxiety? I'm worried. You know, Jesus said, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, in Matthew 6, he said, why do you worry about these things? Why do you worry about clothes? Why do you worry about food? The Father takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers. Oh, you have a little faith. Mm-hmm. The things we worry about when you think about it, anxiety. And then what does that say about our belief or really our unbelief? And, of course, when I'm, when I'm in unbelief, I worship a lot less. And worship is one of the most amazing, restful things you can do, just sitting in the Lord's presence. And it doesn't take any money. You can listen to some quiet worship music while you do it if you want. You don't have to. Go sit out in the back patio and just in the still of the morning, 
just worship him and watch your spirit. Watch your spirit come to rest in him as you just love him, sit with him, and worship him. Um, that is the place of rest. And it's not somewhere we just visit occasionally. I can live that way. I can do that every day and then go to work knowing I'm following his leadership today. It doesn't all depend on me. If I screw up this next thing or whatever, Baron, the, the world's not going to fall apart. Right. My family's not going to fall off a cliff. The church isn't going to fall off a cliff. Your business is not going to fall off a cliff. If we don't do this, this podcast perfectly, Baron, which, which I think we are. Okay? Uh, yes, of course. If you're keeping score. <laughs> if you're keeping score. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. We win. <laughs> no, it, it, that's the thing. We, we think, oh, if I mess this up, then, oh, then, then everything. No, it doesn't. Okay? You do your best, and Lord, use it. Because the most important thing that's going to happen from this is not necessarily what you or I say. It's what the Spirit says through this podcast and what he says in someone's heart who's listening right now. And that just gives you such a peace and a rest. I love it, Pastor Sean. I, at the beginning of this conversation, I said I was worried about you. I'm not worried about you anymore. Oh, good. Thank care. you. Thank you. I don't care. You've got this down. <laughs> well, the, the reason is, Baron, uh, God's got it. Yeah. And, I, and I, I really work hard to live that way. And uh, I encourage you, if you're listening, live that way. God's got it. He's got you. And um, we can rest. And so just, I mean, seriously, take your Sabbath day. Make it, you know, the, interestingly, you might go, but, but for me, I work on Sundays. Um, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that some honor one day, some other, honor another. Let each do it as unto the Lord. Uh, the Hebrew Sabbath we knew to be Saturday. So uh, I, I love gathering with the body. Uh, but if, if, a, if a day of the week, if your Sabbath is another day, um, worship the Lord, rest in him. And, you know, just see what the Lord can do. And it's okay to watch football on the Sabbath. Yeah. Well, heck oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, this is the part where I ask you to bring us home. Uh, if you enjoy this conversation, please share it with somebody. You know somebody right now that needs to hear this to, to, to rest. And so, Pastor Sean, please. Yeah, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your call to rest. And that you, you really do. It's a place you want us to live. It's not someday. It's right now. I can live in rest because I can live in you. Help us to believe you enough to say, I'm going to stop now. And believe you enough to say, I'm going to trust you in this and not just depend on myself. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. Lord, I just pray that you will help each one of us to walk in that place of rest because we walk in fellowship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.